All right, everyone, welcome to the 19th episode of Big Slumpin'. I'm your host, Scott Morgan. With me is Josh and Trevor, as always. Um, It is Wednesday, the 13th of January, and we're recording at about noon. And yeah, I'm excited. Let's let's jump into it. So we're we're starting with a new segment. Um, I'll explain it. It, It's we just thought it'd be a fun thing to start the podcast, get get ourselves talking, and just jump from sport to sport. But we're, it's it's going to be called Things We Liked, and it's going to be Things We Liked Over the Past Week in Sports, which is pretty self-explanatory. I'm sure you guys kind of understood that. But, yeah, let's who, who wants to kick us off with things they liked this past week? How about you start, Scott? I, I'd like to go last. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll do one to start. So one okay. thing that I've been really happy about was is, is Melo Ball. Um, he's getting more playing time. He, uh, I, I think he eventually will be a starter. And he had his first triple-double at, at 19 years old, which I thought was a really good sign. I think he's getting a higher usage rate than we expected because that Hornets ba- uh, backcourt is pretty stacked with uh, um, Rozier, Graham, even Gordon Hayward, I guess, is kind of part of it, like with ball handling duties. So I- I'm happy he's getting touches. He's getting assists at a pretty high rate, rebounding really well. I mean, he is a 6-7 point guard, so you expect him to get some rebounds but getting double digits and being triple uh, – Triple double, what's it called? A triple double threat like nightly is pretty impressive for a rookie, especially one so young. Um, but yeah, I've been really happy with him. I, I think Devontae Graham isn't shooting great, so I think he's going to, if anyone's going to take a spot in the starting rotation, LaMelo will start over him. And I think Graham could really be good as a second unit off the bench, but I'm really happy for LaMelo Ball. Uh, I have him on fantasy basketball, so that's also more reasons why I like it. But yeah, good, good week for him. No, I, I I like that pick. I, I I think you can you can keep going if you want. That's a I, that's a really cool, definitely story that like he's kind of finding his own in the NBA and he he, he can he's a stat machine right now at least. Yeah, and even when he's not shooting well, he's contributing in so many other ways. And like Devontae Graham, I feel like all he really does is score, and if he's scoring at an inefficient rate, that's just like takes away a lot from him. But even if ball scoring inefficiently, he's setting up his teammates. And he, he already has, like, such chemistry with – I think it's uh, – Bridges is, is really good. Kind of, and he gets a lot of assists to him. Gordon Hayward's getting a lot of uh, – of a really high point total right now. And I think that is a big part of because of LaMelo, but also, like, everyone passing and feeding him very well. Um, but, yeah, they're very happy about him getting more time. I think he started the season around low 20s minute-wise. And now I think he's getting up to the past, like, two weeks. He's been averaging 28 minutes. So I really think it's just a time before he's going to be starting over. I think Graham is my pick, but I'm really excited with how he played this last week. Um. I have two. Uh, I'm going to say I really enjoyed the Nickelodeon broadcast of Bears Saints. Now, I don't like football. We know this, and I just don't like the sport. But goddamn, like, it was so fun to listen to three broadcasters that so obviously liked the sport, like Nate Burleson and then uh, Noah Eagle whenever the two child actors were, they were, uh, they were awesome. And I, cause I watched so much of Joe Buck and John Smoltz and how much they, at least on John Smoltz hates baseball. It was so nice to just, you know, watch, watch a, watch a sport where the broadcasters obviously loved it. And the excitement got through the broadcast and made me excited to watch, even though I don't even like football. So I, I really enjoyed the slime zone. I enjoyed all the silliness of it. It was great. I really enjoyed the Nickelodeon broadcast. I hope there's more things like that. I love I love that pick, and I, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that later 
right, guys? Yeah, I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit now with the Nickelodeon game. Um, I I watched the pregame, which was really funny because it was uh the top sport moments in SpongeBob. Like it wasn't like half an hour of like talking about the game. It was like, and I haven't watched SpongeBob in probably seven years at least. Like even seen an episode, and I haven't watched it like a lot since I was a kid. Um, so that was really funny. But I will say when I watched the game, I actually switched to the CBS one because even though like the Nickelodeon was great, I'm happy they were on Nickelodeon. I I needed to listen to Tony Romo and Jim Nance and. And the Nickelodeon broadcast kind of annoyed me a little bit because I was trying to take this game really seriously. I thought the Bears had a chance, um, but they kept trying to like tie it to Nickelodeon and make like puns and references. And that that is someone just trying to watch football was kind of annoying. But it wasn't my you know it wasn't for me. It was for a younger generation. So I wasn't I wasn't too mad about that. All right, Scott took the wind right out of my sails. Whatever, it's fine. No, I thought it was a cool thing to have the first Nickelodeon game and the MVP, which we'll talk about. Yes, we'll get to that for sure. All right, Trevor, what's what's your first one? Okay, so my 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 thing is actually something that like it does not matter at all. (laughs) It is the 2021 uh, way too early college football rankings that ESPN puts out every year. I saw that. And again, these don't matter, but sitting there at number eight is my Iowa State Cyclones. And let me tell you why this is a big Gosh, deal. We're, we're 12. <laughs> this, so Iowa State last won the Big 12 championship in 1912. And they actually won it by not playing Nebraska. What was that, Josh? Were you at the game? It couldn't make it that day, <laughs> but uh, yeah, nineteen twelve, um, and Iowa State. So Iowa State has not been the most winningest program. They've had football for over a hundred years, and it's been a lot of bad. In the Big <laughs> Eight, they had played thirty six seasons and went one hundred fifty seven wins, two hundred twenty losses, and twelve ties. When the Big Twelve was formed in their first twenty seasons, they had ninety wins and 151 losses. Their last few coaches, uh, Dan McCartney, who was actually the winningest coach uh, when he retired, finished 56 and 85. Uh, Actually, hang on a second. I'm not sure that one is correct. Uh, Yeah, so he was the program's winningest head coach. He had 56 wins and 85 losses. Uh, and he was there for 10 seasons. Uh, Gene Chizik was there for two seasons. He went 5-19 and 19 after him. And Paul Rhodes, who actually took Iowa State to a few bowls, uh, had 32 wins in seven seasons. So in the last four years, uh, the, head, the new head coach, Matt Campbell, has taken the program from 3-9 and nine in his first year to uh, 35 total wins, which makes him now like – uh, he has more wins than Paul Rhodes, who we all thought was going to be kind of the next guy at Iowa State. Um, <laughs> but he's finished the last four years in winning seasons. He's had two eight-win seasons, a seven-win season, and a nine-win season. So just to put that all in perspective, like this is kind of like – it's kind of weird seeing, you know, I mean – Four years ago, I not four years, five years ago, I could not have imagined seeing Iowa State even mentioned by ESPN. And now, you know, 
they're ranking them as the number eight team in the country. So do I think it means anything? No. Do I think we're actually going to be that good? Um, I mean, I hope so, but you never know. It's college football, but that was kind of like a pretty cool thing uh, for me. And it's cool to see where this program's come. You know, there's still a lot that could be done and there's still, you know, it's, it's not a perfect football program, but if there's anyone who I trust with it, it's Matt Campbell. That guy is a legend. And I mean, he, he's, he's the best coach that this program's ever had. So that is my thing that I liked. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I saw, I, I, I saw the college football rankings the other day. Uh, you guys were 12. LSU dropped a lot. I think they were at 20th. Um, Iowa was 12, which kind of shocked me based on how, how bad our offense struggled this year and how we're losing some pretty big defensive players. Um, yeah, but uh, my second thing that I liked is the Browns, just straight up the Browns. I, I was so happy for them. My grandpa was a Browns fan. Um, I didn't really get to know him too well before he passed, but he, you know, whenever I think of the, the Browns doing well, I always like get to think of him, and it makes me happy that he would be really happy with them winning. Um, I mean, their first playoff win in, what, 26 years, and it was an awesome win. And like one of the coolest parts was I was at work during the game, so I didn't get to check the score till like halftime during my break. And all of a sudden, like I look at my phone expecting to see like Steelers up by like 12 and the Browns are up by like 20 at that point. And I was just like, holy shit, like this is happening. Like they're putting up a, a fight. And then I saw some recap of the game, how they scored that first uh, touchdown on the, what was it? The, the fumble in the end zone where Pouncey hiked it over uh, Ben's head. And the thing is, like, you know, you're like, oh, that's a lucky touchdown. You know, the, the, the Steelers will come back. But, no, like, the Browns played perfect in the first quarter, scoring 28 points, letting up zero. Like, that's awesome. So I'm really happy for them. I'm happy for Cleveland. I think we all think the Browns aren't going to win this week against the Chiefs. We'll get into, into that later when we make some predictions. But just, like, they, they don't even – this is such a big moment for them that their season's a success, even if they don't make it all the way. It, you know, so just happy they beat the Steelers, like the bigger brother in the conference that's been beating on them for years. It, it just, it's a really cool moment. Shows you anything can happen in sports. Made me really happy. Love to hear it. We love, we love a really happy Scott on, on this podcast. We, that's, we like that. Uh, my last one is uh, uh, on Duncan Robinson's podcast, The Last Shot, he was telling a story about when they're playing the Raptors in Tampa this year that he was shooting free throws and then you could hear Fred Van Vliet screaming at a fan because you know it's like it's okay Tampa games are not like home games the Raptors because no one's a Raptors fan in Tampa and the fans that they did allow in they were always fans of the other teams again no one's a fan of the Raptors in Tampa so you could hear Fred Van Vliet screaming at a fan they're always shooting free throws in the dead quiet of the arena to screaming at a home fan to put on your mask and it's, I just find that really cool. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is um, from Rockford. It's an hour away from, out from us, uh, all three of us on the podcast. Uh, went to Wichita. He's a smart guy. He always knows what's going on. For The Raptors are super – like, the Raptors culture that's super – they care about the world. Like, that's just the Raptors culture. They care about society and stuff. So, for Van Vliet during the middle of the game to scream at a quote-unquote home fan to put on their mask, it's pretty cool. Like, and everyone in the arena could hear it. <laughs> I, just, I like that. I like that a lot. I love that guy. Yeah, I, I watched a lot of Fred Van Vliet in college when he went to Wichita State. Um, or no, I think it's Wichita. But, uh, yes, Wichita State. Yeah, okay, I wasn't sure. But uh, yeah, I watched a lot of him because my, my sister and my dad went to University of Northern Iowa, and they play a lot in basketball. So I had the pleasure of watching Fred Van Vliet in a lot of the tournaments he's played. 
Um, and the dude was a light out shooter then, and he's continued out to NBA. What I didn't know, and like I, I thought this might be one of the things you liked this week, was when they played the Warriors, which I know was a bad loss. Fred Van Vliet locked down Steph Curry, and that like no one's talking about that. Steph went two for sixteen. He shot what twelve and a half percent that day. Nobody and, talks about it because it always happens. It happened during the finals. Fred Vliet always guards Curry extremely well. You can look up his shooting numbers against the Raptors. He never shoots well. They should have won that game. We'll get into more NBA stuff later, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, Fred always locks down stuff. They just never Fred, talk about it. That's Fred Van Vliet locking down a two-time MVP. It's yeah. not like old or washed. Like Steph is, I think, still a really high scorer. Steph, is, on a, NBA, Steph but, is still in on a ridiculous like, scoring streak right now. Yeah. And during that night, Fred was like, I'm just, just not having it. And so, yeah, Fred's awesome. Yeah, if you didn't have two things, I was gonna I was gonna add that to maybe something Josh liked, but uh, yeah, no, good, good for him, and good like it just shows the the Raptors culture that you love. All right, Trevor, do you want to round us off here? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, I guess the other thing I liked is just uh, how well the Bulls have been playing lately. They're losing like a lot of games. Obviously, they're four and seven, which isn't great, but I you know you didn't expect them to be. Uh, competing for a playoff spot anyways but you know they they've uh, I would say yeah I not I would say the four out of their seven losses are one score losses Uh, no sorry Um, the Sacramento loss is technically not a one score loss but that's close enough (laughs) but a lot of single digit losses and like you can see the team improve each week and as a Bulls fan it's a stark difference to how the team was under uh, Jim Boylan so uh, you know, it's it pleases me to see see them play this well. I'm I'm very happy as a Bulls fan as well. I, I'm with you on that one, Trevor. I think that even if they're not winning, like we said, the Portland win last week was huge. Where they they were down 20, they fought back against a good team, and they've just been they have more fight and they have I think more options. It's not all just on Levine, which I think is obviously our, our number one guy right now, but it's not. If he's not scoring, you know, Kobe can step up. Williams can lock down. He had, I think, 16 points the other day with uh, Porter out. Um, mm-hmm. Dad Young, even though his game's not the prettiest, he's a solid player. Uh, Carter Jr. can hopefully step up. And Laurie, who hasn't been playing for a while, when he's back, that's another option. Another piece. Like, you know? I, like, I think a lot of people in the NBA think you need a, a top star superstar to be competitive. And I'm not saying the Bulls are competitive, but – if you say they're have, competitive. I, I don't know if they're I'm, I'm saying for good. Like, like playoff. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know if they're good, but it, I'm I'm saying to be a good team, you don't necessarily need a, a top ten star. You could just have, you know, several good players on a team. Like it's a, it's such a team sport that if you, you know if you have everyone, no one averaging over like twenty five points. Well, you know, five guys averaging low twenties is still going to be a hundred points a game. And so I, I don't know. I, I'm really happy with how the the Bulls have been playing this year compared to last year same all right josh you got anything to comment or should we should we get going uh we can talk about bull stuff later uh, i know between our friend group we had a we had a wild week arguing about zach levine and yes. uh we can get into that later uh i'd I have like, on zach levine i'd but, like uh, that i think we we you and me at least had similar opinions on levine but i, I think it'll be fun to address uh but yeah let's get we'll, we'll let's start with nfl and we'll, we'll get to the nba afterwards um trevor don't leave after NBA. I also want to go into a little bit of the college football national championship and playoff stuff with you. And you probably know that more than both Josh and I combined. So 
don't let me say goodbye to you after the NBA. Um, don't okay. leave ever. <laughs> you're, you're a hostage to the podcast now. Um, all right. So I'm going to go and order the games we had last week. So the first game Saturday, Colts, Bills. Um, Bills beat the Colts 27-24. to 24, Pretty close game. What, what did you guys think of this one? I, I mean, this was the perfect game to open up uh, the NFL playoffs for me personally because it was, you know, it was one of the closest games. And, I mean, it was classic Phillip Rivers down late, has the ball. Uh, the Bills um, kind of almost got screwed. Um, I believe it was it the fumble. fumble. Yep. Yeah. So they didn't. And, you know, when things like that happen and it, it doesn't end up mattering, it's like, well, whatever, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, the Colts, they almost came back. Phillip Rivers down late. I mean, it was just perfect for the you know, early game on Saturday. I, I just, I loved everything about this game. Josh Allen passing the ball again. He's a constant threat. I mean, 324 yards, uh, two touchdowns is, you know, Stefan Diggs again, changes the offense. Um, but honestly, I was impressed with how the Colts fought in this game because I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought they kind of stumbled at the end of the season and I didn't know like coming out against a red hot bills, how well they played. But I mean, I was really impressed. Frank Reich's obviously a really good coach. Uh, I don't know where you go with Phillip rivers after this season. I mean, I think they're going to bring him back and he's going to play again, but, I, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily going to get, you know, is that going to push you to a Super Bowl, which every NFL team should try to do. I, I don't know. So, but they have a really good team. Jonathan Taylor's a really good young back. Uh, they might need some help at receiver. I mean, I know they have a lot of guys that can fill up the stat sheet. And, you know, Pascal's been getting touchdowns. Um, Jack Doyle's a decent tight end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Burton's done pretty well as tight end. You know, Hilton's getting older, and he, he's had definitely a down year. But I, I, I mean, that there's been chemistry issues with him and him and Rivers. So like, you don't know exactly. And then on the defensive um, end, you got guys like Darius Leonard. So I mean, this Colts team is young and good, but again, the Bills just—they're red hot. Josh Allen can pass the ball like anyone better than anyone else, or he can. I'm not saying he is the best passer, but he certainly can be, and he he has the ability to do that, and he showed it this game. Yeah, I, I honestly like. I kind of agree with you. This game shocked the crap out of me, and and not because the Bills won. I think we we all predicted and all thought the Bills would win, but the fact that it was this close, um, like you said, Bills were red hot end of the season, and Colts weren't. Like they kind of stumbled in, even though eleven and five record, which is fantastic, they stumbled in. Um, and the, and I thought they really played the Bills really well. Uh, defensively, I mean, twenty seven points isn't great, but you know, you scored twenty four, you made it competitive, you had a chance to win at the end. And just didn't, which is I feel bad because that's going to be kind of Rivers' narrative in his career. But he, I, I think he had a Hall of Fame career, and the oh, stats yeah. should prove that. But um, and, and as you list the Colts like offense, and you're like, oh, you know, Taylor's a good back. It's not their only back. Like I think Hines is pretty talented. And mm-hmm. if you forget, they lost Marlon Mack in the beginning of the season. That's right. So all three of those running backs, I think, I think two for sure could easily be starters. I think <clears throat> Mack and, and Taylor. And I think Hines has the possibility of also being a starter on another team. If, if like, he, he's kind of the lightning to the thunder, you know. He's yeah, the... I, I don't know if he could consist. Like, if you give him 15 carries, if he's consistently productive, yeah. or if you give him five now and then, he might break, you know, one out for 40 yards, and then you're like, damn, we needed that. Or, but he's explosive. I think he's the better pass catching back out of all three. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, no, I, I think that's really fun. I think Buckner and Leonard are both pretty young on defense. I mean, Leonard is his second year, I believe. Um, and then Buckner is a beast, came from San Francisco. So I, I and yeah, like you said, with Rivers, I don't know what you do. Um, you know, he got you to an 11 and five record. Probably should have been 12 and four. They lost to the Jags in the first week, the only win the Jags had. So yeah. you know, easily could have been 12 and four. Like, do you, like, you had a successful season. It, it makes sense to want to run it back with Phillip Rivers. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you said, and like Josh actually says this a lot, you know what you're getting with Phillip Rivers. I mean, he's been in the league for 37 years now. Like, he, you, you, you know his ceiling's not going to get much higher. You know his floor is not going to get too much lower. So, um, like, you know what you're getting out of him and how hard it is to draft and hope to prepare a guy. And it's not like you ever draft a guy and expect him to change your – like, make your – playoff team of Super Bowl contenders in the first year like it takes time in the NFL to get used to the speed the level that these grown men play so yeah just good game I'm happy for the Bills though I, I did think it, it was funny they they, they kept Philip Rivers in for the Hail Mary at the end like they haven't done that he, all year I know that like that's the Jacoby Brissett play I think the only reason they did it was just because it's like the, it's probably their last play of the year like Phillip's like you know I want to try you know I, I think I, I want to give my team the, the shot like I don't want to be on the bench for this Come, I mean you gotta, that's where you gotta as the coach you gotta be like hey Phil man like the arm I just you know Jacoby could probably <laughs> throw it a little farther than you <laughs> you know I mean, and, it's not like it would be the first time they took out Rivers for Jacoby Hail Mary, which has never worked, by the way. No. <laughs> I don't think there's been a time where we've seen Jacoby Brissett come in and have, like, I think we've seen him take a sack, even run one. <laughs> and you're like, why are you putting this guy in with a cannon and he's not even using it? So, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 that is a funny situation. I, yeah. I was, I was amazed that, that he wasn't in there either. And, and the, I, the ball go like 10 yards short and you're like, yeah, maybe Jacoby would have been the option there. Yeah. Um, and the on the Bills side, they they had you know I feel like every time I watch Josh Allen, he's kind of like a big kid, like he looks like a big kid playing football with like little kids, but like sometimes he gets a little too confident and like he he thinks he can like do something really crazy, so he tries to like stiff arm like ten defenders on him in the backfield and like throw the ball, and that was that was the fumble play where he just fumbles the ball back like thirty yards, which by the way ruined the cover. I. What the heck was that? I, I mean, I think it was it was first and ten, and then like the next it was like second and thirty three. <laughs> so, you know, I I think as long as the Bills can get past plays like that, and you know, the hard thing about Josh Allen for me is yes, there was that play, but if you look at his first touchdown, it's you know it's supposed to be I think a designed quarterback run, yeah. but he goes to the right, and instead of you know he's about to get like sacked, instead he just like shot put pushes it to yeah. Knox right. Yeah. Uh, so like it's 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 such a like hitter. I think it like, works you, sometimes. You, you like that he does that and takes risk and tries things, but you also would sometimes I feel like as a Bills fan could cringe and be like, What are you doing? That was not a veteran or smart play. But that's also what makes him special. It's very tough. It, it's hit or miss. Yeah. I think you'll you know, you get you're gonna get one of those that's gonna burn you each game. And as long as they can the can, you know, put enough points on the board where that doesn't matter, I think they'll be okay. <laughs> but you know, I think who, who do they play next week? Uh they play the pa- or the Ravens <laughs> at home. So then the second game of, of Saturday slate was the Rams versus the Seahawks. And I'm gonna say it, the Rams took care of the Seahawks, thirty to twenty. 
Uh, Wolford got the start. He left with an injury, which I think McVeigh came out later saying he believes it's just a stinger, which kind of downplays it considering he had to go to, like the ambulance and everything and stretchers. So like for it to be a stinger, like I, I don't really know what's happening with that. Golf did end up coming in as the backup, not Blake Bortles. Um, played okay, but like he just came off of surgery, like 11 days after having surgery on his right thumb. So like how much do you expect him to do? But you know, played okay. Um, I wouldn't say good but was okay. No. And he didn't, yeah, he did to, enough. He didn't need to be that good. I mean, you guys went 30 to 20. Like it wasn't like he was good and he squeaked out a win. Like 10 points is, you know, two possession. Uh, Russ, I thought did eh, like really low completion percentage, 11 for 27. Um, found Metcalf twice for touchdowns. And then I thought Donald and, and Leonard Floyd had pretty big games. Both had two sacks on Russell's. So, um, I thought the Rams defense honestly showed up and, and kind of reminded us how good Jalen Ramsey is, how good Donald and Floyd are. Um, but yeah, I really don't have too much to say about this game other than Seahawks have kind of like, I don't think we expected them to do too much. And I don't think we expect the Rams to do too much, but the Seahawks seems to just drop the ball. Yeah. I mean, the Rams, like, what do you say about the Rams? They played some good defense and Cam Akers, you know, being healthy is huge for them. I mean, 131 yards on the ground. I mean, anytime that happens, it's usually on the winning team where, you know, where you, when you have, when you can run like that, but I mean, yeah, what, like Seattle, like, where do you go from here? Like, I mean, if you look at Russ, I mean, 174 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I mean, from where he started this season, it's so like weird. I mean, I still think Russ is a really great player. I and I think he can be an MVP caliber player still. And I think I'm I'm sure there's a, like there might be there's there might be more seasons where he's gonna get MVP buzz. But I mean, you can see like, like the season kind of fell off, and like the defense honestly like wasn't terrible this game on Seattle's side. But the offense just it, it couldn't get anything going. They had the long pass, obviously, to DK Metcalf, where I think they made it a little competitive at that point. But other than that, which, by the way, that TD pass wasn't on Ramsey. So, you know, I mean, let's talk about Jalen Ramsey. That guy absolutely locked up DK Metcalf uh, the whole season. If you, I think if you looked at the stats, he had like, it's, it was like five catches for 44 yards, something ridiculous. Something like you know, that. It's, it's crazy. On a guy that – Three games, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you – if you, you, it's kind of like – it's hard to beat the the – uh, the same team three three times. Like it's hard to lock down a receiver, like especially DK Metcalf, who's a monster. Like you know, for three time, for three games. But yeah, I, I mean, Seattle. I don't know. Like they have some stuff to work on on offense, and I mean, they have a lot to work on on offense. So we'll we'll see where they go. But uh, and then, then the Rams, obviously, like uh, they they lost their their quarterback, uh, Wofford, Wolford, Wolford, <laughs> Wolford, uh, which also they only had. Goff active for this game. Yeah, they had aside they from him. Bortles, like I guess, could have been active, but they just didn't have him. I, I don't that know. That was what a they... crazy person move. <laughs> um, and Aaron Donald is injured, which that play was really yeah. weird. Like he injured his ribs after like like Russell like, kind of like fell on him, and like I don't know, like you would think like Aaron Donald's like a big guy, like Russell Wilson. I don't know. The small was a lot of force, right? Just kind of falling on. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> so they have some injuries to work up. But yeah, this was, I mean, the Rams just took care of business. They looked like the better team. Seattle, I don't know, they, there's some stuff to work out because something feels broken about them. They feel like a broken team right now. Yeah, and I, I agree. So we'll have to see what the what the Seahawks do in the offseason now that they're, they've been bounced out. And 
this Rams team is weird now that Donald's out. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if he will play Saturday or Sunday. I don't know when their game is. Um, I mean, as a Packer fan, I hope he doesn't. But, yeah, I mean, I mean as a football sake. fan, I mean, you want to see the best players on the field. You, you so. Honestly, as a Packer fan, you don't want to get there because their their players hurt. You want to you want to win fair and square. You wanna, Absolutely. You want to be the better team. That's all it is. Um, yeah, let's go to the Saturday night game, Buccaneers-Washington. Yes. So, Washington covers the spread. Um but the Bucs do get the win, 31-23. to 23. Brady played, I'd say, pretty well. I mean, he is 43, and, and like, you know, this is – he's, you know, oldest guy to throw a touchdown in the, in the postseason, which I saw that graphic a bunch. But, like, he, he did play pretty well, 381 yards, two touchdowns. Um, like we kind of said about the Rams, did what he needed to do. And then the, the big shock of Saturday night and maybe the playoff so far, Taylor Heineke. So, again, I was at work during the night games. So, like, does anyone want to tell you – Trevor, why don't you tell us your experience watching this game, uh, you know, seeing the football team have Heineke out there, what your expectations were and how he did. So, Taylor Heineke was a previous – he played in the XFL. He was an XFL quarterback. And anyone who watched the XFL, it honestly kind of felt like watching – like the Washington football team on offense was like an XFL team. Just with like how, like – weird it got and how kind of how feisty Heineke was like he's like he kind of came out of nowhere and like he had this like game where he played with a lot of heart he had the touchdown where the ball barely got over the end zone that went viral on Twitter I mean I expected honestly this team to play super hard uh, on the Buccaneers and they did but I mean honestly it was crazy because like the offense actually worked for Washington I know they only scored once uh, in the first court, in the first half. But, I mean, the offense wasn't was actually not really the issue. It was, I mean, the defense didn't show up. The defensive line, I mean, Tom Brady was clean all night. And I know it's it's kind of stupid, like, what they say. But they say you got to hit Tom Brady to beat Tom Brady. Like, well, duh, if you hit the quarterback, it's going to make him uncomfortable. But, like, that's like, sh- been shown like to work. It's not saying hit the quarterback and we're talking about, you know, Russ, a guy that can move and scramble. We're saying hit the quarterback and it's Tom Brady. Like, the guy's now 43. He can't. <laughs> He's never been that mobile. Um, no. Like it's, it's not like we're talking about, like, Lamar Jackson is a 40-year-old that could still probably beat me in a foot race. We're talking about Tom Brady, and he's not a quarterback. And, and, like, Washington's defensive line was coming out saying they wanted to get to Tom Brady before the game. Yeah, so that was definitely a tough look. But, I mean, Tom Brady, he's 40. I mean, how does he do this? Three, 381 yards, two touchdowns. Honestly, the offense was humming, like, all game. But once he got into the second half when Washington started to be a little more feisty, you know what they did? They just started throwing deep to Mike Evans. Like, and he was always open. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like, oh, you, you're going to start guarding the stuff we did in the first half? Well, now we have Mike Evans. And that's just – like, that's – they have so many weapons on offense that they can just do that. It's – I mean, they're, they're going to be a really tough team. I hope to God the Saints beat them because I, I'd rather play <laughs> the Saints again than the Buccaneers um, because I just – I think their offensive talent is – is way too much for the Packers defense to handle uh, a receiver. You know, as much as I think the defense gotten better, uh, I'd rather see the Saints than the Bucks, honestly, because I'm scared of their receiver court. And yeah, so, I mean, Washington was feisty and it was awesome. And it was like, it's a game you'll, you'll kind of remember watching because like Washington wasn't really supposed to be there, but they were and Heineke was playing yep. and it was great. It was, it was fun to watch. And, and I honestly think with, with the Buccaneers, their potential on offense is unreal. I mean, Ronald Jones Jr., Leonard Fournette even had a big game. 
Um, yeah. Like, he like they, he looked they have, good. They have good running backs. Their offensive line's not that bad. I mean, they drafted Tristan Worth out of Iowa with their first pick, and he's had a pretty good season. Um, so, yeah, like you said, really clean pocket against this really good Washington defense. And then, you know, if, if Evans isn't open, you got, you know, Goodwin or Godwin, uh, Antonio Brown, and Gronkowski. Like, you, you're – you have options. So, if they take away the deep ball with Evans – they start dumping it short. You start covering the slants. He's going to start sending it deep to Evans. Like, it's such a diverse offense and one that makes great halftime adjustments. So, like, I, I really expect a better game against the Saints this time, but we'll, yeah. we'll have to see. We'll talk about that a little later. All right, so let's jump into the Sunday. Or, you know, actually, I want to ask, what do you think Heineke's future is with, with Washington? Do, do you think he could maybe – like bring him to camp and have a quarterback competition with Smith or whoever else they go get, or is, perennial, is it, is it... Uh, perennial all pro um, <laughs> three time MVP winner? Or do, or do you think this is just a case of the, he played outside of, of himself one game and, and that that's going to be his legacy. <laughs> Look, I, I am all for guys, you know, being found like this diamonds in the rough but it's so rare. And in the NFL, it is so hard to be consistent. You know, you can have great games. I mean, look at any quarterback's career that, you know, and in the majority of them, you'll find moments of greatness, but a lot of them you'll find, you know, not so great things. Um, so I think, I mean, I think Heineke will get a shot. You know, I think he deserves it. He earned it, obviously. But at the I think end of the is... day – this might be what he's remembered for. And yeah. I think he'll be, he'll be a nice backup quarterback, a guy that can come in kind of like a Nick Foles and like, just, you know, give you a couple wins while your starter gets healthy. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that's what he is. I think he's a backup. And I he, think that's what he earned. Legendary himself, playoff which, which I think with, I think is he, for him being a backup is a, is a promotion. <laughs> like he was a third string quarterback at Washington and and, you know, like you said, he was an XFL quarterback. So he just got back into the league as a back, like a third-string option. And to get this chance and to prove that he could be successful has probably earned him at least, I'd say, five years of being an NFL backup, yes. which is some stability probably in his life of trying to make it to the NFL. So good, good for him. Uh, let's talk some Sunday now. So the morning game, or I, th- I think it was morning, um, Ravens at Titans. Uh, this game – was honestly pretty close, but it, the Ravens did come back and they won twenty to thirteen. The Ravens' first, or not Raven, Lamar's first postseason win, which I think is kind of crazy that people were giving him crap for not winning a postseason uh, or a playoff game when it's his third season. Like he's lost two. That's not that's not that bad. Um, yeah, I think that narrative was way overblown. Yeah, if if it was like his fifth year in a row of making it and they just haven't like surpassed, you know, the first round fine but this is his his you know his his third year and he i mean they they did get bounced from the titans last year but that titan team's also beat the patriots and like it, it was not a it was not it was a pretty dangerous team in the playoffs um but yeah lamar looked good had 136 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown of 48 yards which was maybe the play of the day on sunday um Tannehill looked okay had a bad interception late derrick henry 18 carries 40 yards that is I mean, the whole, the whole game, the announcers are talking like, you know, he is the second half running back. Like, you know, the fourth quarter is when he really starts pounding teams. And Mike Rabel, he kept with him. Uh, but, you know, I think he only averaged like 2.2 yards a carry. That, that's just not Derrick Henry. And it's, it's just 
it was kind of sad note that on a, a on a game that they lost, they could have really used him, and he's been there all season for him. So uh, I, I just thought it was a good win for the Ravens. They came back. I think they were down 10-zip. Um, came back, played well. Their offense was clicking. Uh, I'm really happy for Lamar. Just I thought it was a pretty entertaining game. Yeah, I mean, this game started kind of like – it made you. If you're a Ray fan, you're like, "Ah, oh, shit, we're doing this again." You know, Tennessee scored on their first drive, or no, not on their first drive. I'm sorry, uh, but they they scored first, and then uh, you know, Ravens get the ball back immediately. Lamar throws just a terrible, terrible pick. Uh, you know, they only hold give up a field goal though. And honestly, from there on, it was all Ravens. I know the Titans had the field goal, and um, I believe. Oh uh, God, what's Justin Tucker? He missed, he missed the field goal, obviously. So it kept it close, but at the end of the day, I mean, it really felt like the Ravens were controlling this game and, and Tannehill ultimately just, you know, threw the, threw another terrible pick on, on their last drive. It just, it was, I was really impressed by what I saw from the Ravens because they kind of started out where like, they didn't really know what they're doing on offense. Like they, they were like trying to pass too much, like, no, the Ravens, they got to run the ball. The Tennessee Titans defense is not good. Like, just use Lamar. He had that play where he was just faster than everyone else, ran 50 yards into the end zone. I mean, it's what the, it's what the Ravens need to do. Just pass when you need to, run the ball, and play really goddamn good defense. I mean, 18 carries for 40 yards on Derrick Henry. Like, that's unheard of this year. The dude was a 2K rusher. I mean, that's insane. Uh, so I was really impressed by what the Ravens – did I think they're going to be really hot because I think the Titans are good, but again, I think I don't think the Titans defense was that good, so they're going to have a tougher challenge against what do we say? Was it the Bills? Yeah, so they're definitely going to have a tougher challenge, but I was really impressed by what I saw, and I think I mean, I think the Ravens they know what they need to do on offense, and they're going to be a very scary team. Yeah, and honestly, Ravens-Bills, I think, might be a, a, a really fun game to watch. Um, yeah, it might be one of the best games of the playoffs, honestly. Yeah, I, I just see it being competitive. and it's, it's For me, it's like flipping a coin on who I think is going to win. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really what team's going to show up. Uh, so let's talk about the Bears-Saints. Nickelodeon. It, the Nickelodeon game, as we preluded to earlier in the What We Like segment. Um, I think I'll let you guys uh, talk about this one for a second. It, it's okay, just... Well, we only have one really, really real Bears fan on this podcast, so I guess Scott can take the lead, and I'll, I'll play the, uh, you know. I, I had thing. to go to work during the second half, so I was listening on the radio on the way in. But um, this during the first half, you know, I thought we were we were in it a little bit. Uh, we, it just. I'll say this: the second that wins dropped that pass, I knew it was over. I knew that was the game. Like I knew game it. Changed. You can see it, even though they're all wearing helmets. It completely changed. Yeah, I'm just saying, I knew they were all wearing all their faces. You could see all, it was done. Like, you could tell. You could just tell. Like, they were all defeated in that second. That was the second offensive drive of the game, and it was over. That was – what I liked about that was that was actually a ballsy play call. That was – was, It was different. It was something that, like, you would never expect from Nagy, who's supposed to be this offensive mastermind. Um, it was so, beautiful. it should be something you should wide expect. wide open. <laughs> the thing that pissed me off, though, Wim should not be on the team in the first no. place. We t- I talked about him, I think, like, 10 weeks ago when when he punched, you know, what, Gardner C- Johnson. CV Gardner Johnson yeah. or <laughs> – when, when he punched Gardner Johnson and he got ejected and suspended for two games, I talked about we, we should get rid of him. Like, like, this – I looked at his stats. He wasn't, like, of value as a receiver that anyone could have replaced as a free agent. Um, and for some reason, 
the Bears kept him on, even though he's obviously not great for the culture, which is what Matt Nagy's all about is, you know, oh, we're trying to build a good culture here in Chicago. Well, maybe you shouldn't keep this guy that's an idiot that's punching another guy on the team, giving them a first down. And then in the car, I'm listening to it, and Anthony Miller punches a guy too. So the yeah. same guy, and, and did Gardner you, Johnson again. Yeah. Um, and did so you that, see the story with uh, Nagy? He had the presentation on, on Gardner Johnson, like how he's an instigator, and he, he had his team even prepare for this. I mean – One thing, Wim should not have been on the team. He drops yeah. that pass. Like you're an NFL wide receiver. You get paid to catch balls when balls are in your fucking lap. Like Mitch threw a dime. It was a yeah, beautiful play it was a call. Great pass. Receiver was open. Pass hit him. Ninety-nine percent of the NFL receivers are catching that. Um, I think you and I are catching that, Scott. If we have that speed and we're just in that situation, I think both of us catch that ball. It's a, it's not, he didn't even touch it. It went right through his hands. I think you all he did was put his arms out without even like if you just look up and you're like, oh shit, the ball's here. Like you would have just caught it. Right. Um, right. It, it's. It was like, ridiculous. I, um, that pass, though, that pass is everything I believe in Mitch Trubisky. That, that accuracy and that arm strength, that was such an, incres- an impressive throw in so many accounts, and it just sucks because we're not going yeah. to forget about that play because Wims couldn't catch the easiest ball I've ever seen in my life. It was, like, it, that play was it so been such, sick. Even if we would have lost, it would have been such a highlight play. But honestly, if you make that play, at the point of the game, the game's way more competitive. We're in it. Like – yeah, it, the game was lost. Like um, you could tell on their faces. It was. Yeah, and then it was Andy done. Miller punching someone. It, it just shows his idiotic, idiocracy. Because again, you have a presentation about Gardner Johnson instigating. Like, this is one of the biggest games of your career, and you're gonna punch a guy and get yourself ejected. Like, what, what kind of stupid decision is that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Dive into all Bears things right now while we're at it, because we got the news today, and I think yeah. we just go at it for this. We'll get through the game and then get into that. But and then yeah, so my my last other thing, I, I was listening to like the first drive after after second half in the radio before I had to go in, and yeah, it, it sounded like we were Patterson had a good return to come out of the half. Um, we had a big play to Robinson, and I'm like, oh, we'll probably score here, at least get a field goal. I don't think we scored in the first drive, and then it, I, I saw the score was nine to twenty one. Um, and it sounds like Jimmy Graham's touchdown at the end was pretty cool. I, I saw the one handed catch, very nice. But, you know, he just walks off the field. And I, th- I think it's also interesting. There's a new NFL rule where if you score and the extra point or point after is irrelevant, you, like, you don't kick it or you don't yeah. do it. And that would have covered the spread because I think the Bears were plus 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so just for betters out there listening, like, that's a crazy new rule that's going to really affect some betters. Maybe this wasn't, like, a huge game that people bet on. But if that happens in the Super Bowl and you have the spread – you're going to be pissed if they don't kick the extra point. Um, all right. So that's, that's all I have on that one. I, I'm ready if you want to start talking about Bears talk or if, Trevor, you want to talk about this. I mean, yeah, I just I, – again, I want to say, like, this game was very winnable. At, I mean, especially at half. I mean, the Saints and Bears kind of exchanged some, some punts, some fumbles, some missed field goals here and there. It, it was 7-3 at half. I mean, but honestly, like, the offense just kind of, like, gave up. After the pass, they – turned it over on downs, uh, they punted, and they eventually got a field goal. But after that, like, the defense kind of gave up. Like, the Bears had four possessions in the second half. I mean, you know, I, I hear a lot, like, about, like, Bears offense being, like, unbearable to watch. But, I mean, that was hard. That was so hard to watch. It was soul-sucking. It was, like, 
I mean, it was, it was miserable. And obviously you had the plays in the first half that kind of just set the mood for the rest of the game with, with all the unsportsmanlike conducts. I mean, the defense was jumping off sides every other play. It was, I mean, it was hard to watch. And, and I don't know I, how certain decisions were made that we'll get into um, after, especially after this game, because there's a clear culture issue on this team. Um, and again, like you said, Scott, I don't think you can even, I like, I don't know how a Bears fan would have watched this game on Nickelodeon because that would have been just like extra, like, hey, I like enjoyed punches it. And... I had fun. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? It might've been better to watch it on Nickelodeon than the regular broadcast. Um, Cause I watched, I was watching my first, the first half with a friend. So it was on CBS. He didn't get in Nickelodeon and I went home to the second half and I watched yeah. it on Nickelodeon and it was so much more fun. Yeah. Okay. So I, okay. Then, yeah. But obviously I think, I mean, this, I think the game, like they gave up at half, but it's we're, we're going to get into some decisions that they made. Uh, if you want to get into it right now and then go to the last game, we can. Since yeah, we're I mean, about I, the Bears. I had it for later, but if you guys want to do it now, Let's we do it now. Let's well. do it now. Um, okay, so Bears stuff. For, first off, this happened I think two days ago. Bears defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano is retiring um, from coaching in the NFL. He was the head coach for the Colts for a little bit. Was our defensive coordinator this year? I think last year as well. Um, but he is retiring. The more relevant news and more recent news is the Bears chairman says that, one, quarterback play must improve, which is like, okay, so we must improve in this season, which honestly, what a statement. like, like what, what does that mean? That didn't, yeah. that didn't say a lot, so it's a lot of speculation. Um, he also says neither Coach Matt Nagy nor GM Ryan Pace will receive contract extensions. So right now I believe Mitch will be a free agent, um, like now, and – as, as far as uh, Nagy and Pace go, I think they have one or two years left. Like, the fact that they're not getting extensions does not mean that they're done and they're, they're fired, which I think is what a lot of Chicago fans wanted. Um, it's kind of like the opposite of what we actually want is what he said. Like, you know, the quarterback play must improve. I'd rather him say, like, what he said last year, where Mitch is our guy. We're going to run with Mitch. And then he goes against that and signs Nick Foles for $21 million, which is like, is he our guy? Like, do you believe in him? Um, and then what we've all been asking for with Nagy, with terrible play calls, you know, building a culture where you let whim stay on the team and then drop a pass in the most important game of our season. That's a great decision. And then you have Anthony Miller get ejected after your presentation. Like those are guys you just don't want on your team. If, if that's going to, if that's how they, they are and they can't keep their cool, um, you're not building the greatest culture there. So yeah, and, and then Ryan Pace, I, I don't – I mean, other than the Khalil Mack trade, what has he done other than bring Foles in? We had Mike Lennon. Like, we, we've been paying a bunch of money on quarterbacks that have just ended up being backups and then released from our team. So we've just been wasting money. But, yeah, what, what are your guys' thoughts on all, all those things happening to the Bears? So I look at these kind of things from a baseball perspective that's what I know. Um, when I see a lame duck – I don't know how much long I have organizations, but as far as I can see, these guys are both lame ducks – and and like they're doing it for the job that's not going to create a good culture because everyone's going to be on edge playing for their jobs trying to win for their jobs and it's going to be there's no security there there's they're, 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 they're not, there's maybe it's good there's gonna be that much risk for these guys because you know but i i don't think that creates a good culture and that's not good winning a good situation for winning so i'm not happy with it and uh like I think the, I talked about this earlier in our in our group text so i think the uh, the bears are at the Kings, I mean, at the Kings, not at the next level in, of, of ineptitude. And uh, I just don't, the, the current ownership situation, I don't see a way that 
they they uh, do this because any other team in any other sport except those two and maybe the Rockies. That's a whole other conversation that we have to get into. That would fire these guys in instant. It would have been fired weeks ago. It would have been done. And you know, like Doug Peterson got fired. And from what I understand, he's a really good coach. So, you know, I I I I, I if I was actually a Bears fan, gave a shit, I would not be pleased. And I I just laugh because like it, it sucks. I don't like seeing my my friends have to go with this stuff. But like it just at some point to say that's really funny. They laugh and you understand like it's just not going to happen with Sonic Group. It's just not going to happen. And that sucks. But I find it kind of funny at this point. Yeah, I honestly like. I feel like this is kind of the exact thing. You know, all my all my friends who are Bears fans like didn't want. Like I feel like everyone was I knew was pretty unimpressed with Nagy and especially Pace. Um, I, you know, I think there's, there's some conflicting opinions about Mitch. Like, I, I think Mitch, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say anything like permanent about Mitch. Cause like, I do, I do think there's stuff he can work with, but it feels like Nagy puts these training wheels on him at random moments during the game and doesn't let him be Mitch. Like, it just, it just feels like. He, he like it's it's like it's too much control over him like let's let him try it out like let him try to like grow like give him some room and that's I don't been know. my problem since the start like I, when i back when mitch was brought in i cared more about football and i noticed really right away they didn't actually give him a chance they just ran these really pet plays oh, yeah, especially with john routes. fox i mean that was even worse yeah so like i we still don't really know what he's like that pass is gonna stick in my head the weems one that he dropped that pass is gonna stick in my mind for ever for how beautiful it was tossed and where it was placed and like that guy is in Mitch Trubisky he is inside him it's just the Bears never even got it gave him a chance to let it come out I know I, I completely agree and I, I think that's going to be something that is going to be interesting to watch the next coming years because like are they like choosing Nagy over Mitch now like what what like it just feels weird it feels like I think the bears like do want to stick with him, but, and I think they, sh- I think it's the smart thing to do, but I just, I don't feel great about them sticking with the current ownership and not ownership. Well, I guess that's another conversation, but the management <laughs> and the coaching that they have right now, it's just, it's, it's okay. Here, here's how I feel about Mitch. I think we are a pro Mitch podcast. I think we all want to see him be successful. I think we all think he has tools to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Maybe yes. not elite, maybe not top five, but a good starter for at least a decade. Um, and I feel bad with him as a bear for him. Not, not like I, I, not that I feel bad that he is a bear. Like I love him. And I hope that I think he plays well when you give him a chance. Like you said, when he's handcuffed, you know, he's playing with one arm behind his back. That's not helpful. When, when you let him roll out of the pocket, makes throws on the run. That's usually when he does pretty well rather than stay in there and get hit. Um, and so I, I think a either for him, let him leave. Let him be successful somewhere else, you know. Let's just because if, if we're gonna have Nagy and Pace for another year, I, I don't see Mitch's situation getting better. Just because I don't think he's a great head coach, I don't think he's that good a GM that we're gonna, you know, build stuff around him that's gonna help him. So I, I for, for him, I think it might be best for him to leave. As a Bears fan, I think it'd be best for us to retain him because Josh has said this, but like. You're, you're hoping to develop a quarterback from drafting him that can get to a level of Mitch or better. And that's tough to, to evaluate at a college level. So you know what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. They're going to let Mitch walk. He's going to go to a team and he's going to be good. He's going to be good at that team. And it's going to become a meme that they passed on 
home on the homes they passed on uh watson and, and they let they, mitch go and let mitch go and they're gonna they're gonna they're pick 20th right so they're not gonna be able to draft a good quarterback and there's no one to sign on the market it, it, they're just it's gonna be a meme of all memes like what, so, what do we what do, the only quarterbacks i can see being tradable or on the market are watson wentz newton i don't think after this year anyone really wants cam newton he, he really seemed to struggle in new england Wentz is a big question mark. Like I think everyone thinks he still has potential and skill and just, it didn't work out in Philadelphia this year. And then uh, Watson, like how much are we going to have to trade to get him? Cause obviously he wants out of Houston. Is that even a possibility with him and, and Trubisky? So yeah, I, I'm, I'm good talking about the bears. I'm happy they made it to the playoffs. Um, just, just a tough performance. One that I think the most frustrating about this game was the fact that we could have won it that it was a winnable game, that that's, that's probably the most annoying part. But let, let's move to the, the last game of the weekend, Browns-Steelers. And like I said earlier, Browns win 48-37. to 37. Baker, three touchdowns, 263 yards, played really well. Roethlisberger, my God, 68 passing attempts, which makes sense. You were down 28 to zip. Like, you, you're going to have to throw the ball um, to try to get back into the game. But Jesus that's a lot of that's a lot of attempts, and then he had 501 yards, four touchdowns, but also four interceptions. Which uh, Trevor talks about the turnover battle all the time. Whenever you have, I think even you, Trevor, I think your rule is like whenever you have a minus two in the turnover battle, that's a hard game to come back from. But yeah, I, four it, interceptions that's almost impossible. <laughs> it's one of those like if you hit the quarterback, you're it's going to help you win. But like it's like I I always say if if you lose the turnover battle you're most likely going to lose the game. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'd say like 90% of the time that's the case. Um, but yeah, this was, this was that game. This was that game where, I, I mean, I want, first of all, I want to say, I want to start by saying Browns fans, like this was Nirvana for you. Like this is, I don't, I, I've, I've seen like Browns fans on Twitter and stuff. And it, I, I mean, this seems to be like, I mean, this is this is your. You know, I hate using this word, but this is your Super Bowl. Like, this is mm-hmm. your, like, you're 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 beating up on Big Brother. Like, and not only you're beating. I mean, it was an ass kicking. I mean, you look at the ESPN, uh, you know, win percentage tractor, and I mean, after the first quarter, it was it was all the way basically 100 percent for the Browns. <laughs> like, 28 points in the first quarter against your, you know, against your longtime rival. That's. I mean, this is the first time Big Ben has lost to Cleveland in Pittsburgh that's insane and I mean I, I just I, I don't know like how else to say it, but like good for you Browns fans I'm so happy for the Browns I I'm a big fan I've always been a big fan of Baker Mayfield so like to see him taking back the Browns back to uh, the playoffs is, is really cool um I don't I don't know like I, I just wanted to start by saying like how cool of a game this was I you know I see with fans sucks but you know what you've been there this this happens um this is cool for the Browns like let them have their moment uh so yeah th- there's that uh but as far as the game goes I mean the Steelers just broke down like obviously they had the fluke play to start it felt a lot like the Broncos Seattle uh Super Bowl yeah um you know, with that, that high snap, uh, it just not a great way to start the game. But uh, after that, I mean, their offense like did not work at all in the first quarter. Big Ben had four picks. Uh, I think three of them were in the first quarter. That's wild. Uh, I'll have to double check that. And you can, you can look at his stats and be like, Oh, 500 yards and four touchdowns. That's pretty good. And his completion center was high, but the Browns, when you're up 28 zip, you're just doing prevent defense. Like, 
you're going to let the quarterback get a lot of yes. yards, just hopefully not a lot of touchdowns, which he did get four touchdowns. Like he was, maybe he had a better, you know, second, third, and fourth quarter, but it was, it was too little, too, too little, too late. Yeah. So three of those picks were in the first half, two of them in the first quarter, but yeah, I mean, you saw like the offense didn't work in the first half, the, the inability to run the ball, you know, and I don't know if, if they were able to run the ball would have helped them that much this game, which with, with how well, how badly uh, Ben started the game with all those interceptions, but it certainly didn't help. I mean, they, their <laughs> running game has sucked all year. It, they weren't going to be able to use it this game. That's for sure. Um, and they just got themselves in too big of a hole. The Browns were able to kind of cruise the end. There was a bit of a moment in the third quarter where you're like, Oh God, are the Steelers going to make this close and like kill the Browns? I mean, they did outscore the Browns in the second half. So sad. That'd be the most Brown thing ever, though. Like, like, you know, you you have this huge start lead, and the next thing you know, the Steelers come back and they beat you by like three points, and you're just like, we had a 99 percent chance of winning after the first quarter. Yeah. So, like, there were a couple of punts, and you know what? I think it was the drive after the Steelers. They got they got the Steelers to go three and out after a punt. I mean, Baker took them down the field. And they scored a touchdown. And that was the moment where, like, you don't see that in previous Browns teams. Like, you see these – Finishing. Like, yeah. I mean, they finished. It's, it's kind of what we want to see out of – I'm going to talk about the Bulls. It's kind of what you want to see out of the Bulls where they get these leads and they, they can hold on to them. And I know this is kind of a lead where, like, it's almost impossible to blow. But it was impressive. The Browns are a dangerous team in the playoffs. They got a really dangerous game coming up. Um, but, yeah, I was – this was an awesome game, awesome way to end – um, the wild card weekend, just such a good weekend of football. I, and, I will say that yeah. the saddest part of two about this weekend was, so the Bears were the fifth game on the six-game slate, chronological order. And yes. the first four games were great. The Bears was kind of a stinker, like just a not competitive, just bad game. And then the, the, the last game, Brown-Steelers, was probably the best game and the biggest shock of the weekend. So uh, Juju – you know, 13 receptions, 157 yards, and uh, Deontay Johnson, 11 receptions, 117 yards. Like statistically, they had great games, but again, a lot of prevent defense and just you know let, letting them get those yards. It wasn't a big deal. But let's let's talk the divisional round. So, Trevor, your Packers are, are they're back this week. They they got their their bye week last week, so now they get to play. And you guys have the Rams, not the Seahawks. So the the Rams are going to be taking you on. I, I wrote the spread. I wrote the over and under. If you want to talk that at all, but Packers are favored right now, six and a half points, last I checked. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts about this Saturday game? You know, I first looked at the spread, and I thought six and a half was honestly too much. But, you know, with Aaron Donald, uh, probably he's questionable, but he's going to be hurt probably. Uh, we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be as far as health-wise. Um, but this kind of this, this game kind of feels like that, that game against the 49ers in the middle of the year. Obviously, they it was a – a little different because I think the 49ers had a lot more injuries than the Rams do, but you know, Cooper cup's questionable. Whitworth yeah. is questionable and he's a really important player for their offensive line. Uh, Donald's obviously huge. And if Wolf Wolford is out that, I mean, their quarterback situation is going to be something to watch. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, the thing is you, you say like Donald out being big and I'm like, that was a big loss, but so is David Bakhtiari. So the yes. fact that like, imagine yes. if you had Donald healthy, like a hundred percent, and no Bakhtiari, like that Green Bay offensive line just had a huge job lifted off their shoulder because now if Donald is hurt and is either not going to play or is playing hurt, mm. their job is significantly easier. Um, it's like you both are dealing with injuries that are kind of like canceling out. 
And I'm not saying, you know, David Bakhtiari is, is the equivalent of Aaron Donald on offense, but he is a top left or tackle in the league. Like, yeah, he's one of the down. best. So you mm-hmm. could say they're comparable. Um, and, and so, like, the, the fact that they're both playing is kind of fair in, like, a, in a poetic way. But it's, yeah. obviously we'd, we'd both rather them just play. Um, but, yeah, the oh. over-unders at 45 and a half. And I, I don't think Green Bay six-and-a-half point favorites is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to touch the spread. No. <laughs> I, I think I'd rather do, like, a player bet on, on Rodgers. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how Jalen Ramsey does with uh, Devontae Adams. Had a big week against Metcalf last, last week, as you talked about earlier. I, I think the Packers should win this one. Like, yeah. obviously, I, I don't think – Goff is 100%, and I don't think he's that great when he's 100% anyways. So, you you know, you you take a, let's say, 50% Jared Goff. Like, I I don't think that should be a big problem for the Packers' defense. And you have Aaron Rodgers, who's the MVP, going against a team that he should not get a lot of pressure. Like, he should have time to throw, and when when he has time, he just picks teams apart. So I I think the Packers should should take this one pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to come down to – I mean, the Packers are going to score on offense. I think that's clear. I mean, yeah, they might have issues getting the ball to Devontae Adams because Ramsey's been that good this year. Um, but, you know, I think it'll be a pretty 50-50 matchup. Uh, but aside from that, I think you know they'll what? still be able to move the ball. I, I think that they will have a significantly easier time getting the ball to Devontae Adams than the Seahawks had getting the ball to Metcalf. Because I, the I agree. Seahawks, what they failed to do a lot is the, the, the last, like, six weeks of their season was a real struggle. And – I think it's because everyone's like, okay, let's just start doubling Metcalf or, you know, watching the deep ball. And once you took that away, they didn't adjust. The Packers and Matt LaFleur and, and Aaron Rodgers, they make such so many tiny adjustments. They run so many diverse plays that they're hard to, to plan against. And therefore, I think Adams will have a significantly better day than Metcalf. Yes. So there's that. And, I mean, it's which Jared Goff are you going to get? Are you going to get the Jared Goff that beat the Buccaneers and, like, had that – really close game, you know, with Tom Brady going back and forth, or are you going to get the Jared Goff that lost to the Jets? And on top of that, he's not completely healthy. So I, I do think this is very winnable. I think there is a chance, a good chance the Packers cover this spread, um, especially with the injuries that the Rams might be coming in with. Uh, so, but at the end of the day, I'm still worried about it. They can, the Rams are obviously a good team at running the ball, which is something, you know, I know the Packers have played better in recent weeks against the run, but something you're just always going to have to watch out for. But I do like the Packers in this game. All right. So I think uh, Trevor and I are taking the Packers. Josh, do you concur with us? Or you want to, you want to take your best friend, Jared Goff? I'm taking the Packers. Hope they kick the Rams ass. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, and then the Saturday night game is yep. Ravens bills. Uh, you talked about this being a, a real good yeah. one. And I, you and me both talked about this maybe in the game of the week, but <clears throat> Bills are only favored by two points. I mean, it's it's pretty much a toss-up. Uh, to me, it's really like what team's going to show up. Will the Ravens be able to run on the Bills? Which, honestly, like the Bills' defense is eh. And, and the Ravens should be able to do that. But then again, can the Bills or the Ravens stop Josh Allen? And that, that's a whole other problem. I think the Ravens match up extremely well with the Bills. And I, I love Bills fans. And I, I just want to warn you guys – this might be a problem game for the Bills because Lamar Jackson and their running game is one of the best in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And we go back to uh, one of the single digit weeks. I don't remember which one, but the Bills playing the Chiefs at home in Buffalo, I should say. What did the Chiefs do? They ran the ball. 
I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire had like something like a ridiculous like 200 yards rushing or something or like they had a total 200 yards rushing but that was a big issue for the Bills defending the ground game now they were able to do better against Jonathan Taylor but I think I don't think the Colts running game has necessarily been something that's shown up every week the Ravens running game pretty much has for the second half of the year so this is going to be a tough matchup for the for the Bills I think this is a very winnable game for the Ravens especially because like the Ravens secondary is another thing that they hang their hat on I I I do think the Ravens have a chance to win this game and honestly I like them in this game I Uh, I honestly like the the more I think about it I'm taking the Ravens and I I took them last week barely but I I did um but I think think it's gonna be close I think this one actually is the Ravens have a better chance against the Bills than they did against the um the Titans because one I I think the Ravens can take away the run against the Bills. The Bills, Devin Singletary, I, I don't know how I feel I'm about him. I'm not convinced him. by him. Yeah, like, I, I don't know if he is even a starting caliber running back. And I don't think that, like, in the playoffs, you want your running back to be Devin Singletary. Um, and now you have – the Ravens had a lot of injuries during the year. You have Campbell, Calais Campbell playing, you know, six foot eight, 300-pound Calais Campbell. And then you have Brandon, uh, Brandon Williams, who is an underrated defensive lineman. And so those two, I think, will completely shut down Singletary – Maybe not Allen with, with his run game, but you take away the run game. Now all you have to do is really worry about Josh scrambling and him throwing to Diggs and Beasley and everyone else. So you do that plus if the Ravens, obviously with the running attack against the Bills, really lines up well. So I'm taking the Ravens, and I'm not – like I might just do it straight up to win instead of plus two spread. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I think I would take the Ravens in this one. Yep, I, I I agree. I think I'm gonna go with the Ravens as much as my heart tells me to go with the Bills because I just I love their offense. I, I think this is gonna be close game, and I think either team can win it. But I, I'm gonna take the Ravens. All right, and then the next game we got is Browns Chiefs. Oh, okay, well I guess I'll take the take. Oh, I'll sorry. Take, what? I'll take, I'll take the <laughs> just Bills. skipping over Josh. You gotta step Bills. up and say something. My bad. Okay, Josh, take your the job. Bills. So you got the Bills. Trevor and I are doing Ravens Sunday. Brown and Chiefs. Josh, let's start with you. Who, who are you taking in this one? Like, what if, though, you know? Like, what if, though? No, it's Chiefs. <laughs> they, they, got their, they got their win. I'm sure Browns fans are happy regardless. They got, uh, they got what they wanted. Yeah, this – I mean, look, the Chiefs are favored by 10 points, which I don't think is fair to what the Browns have done this year. I don't think it's fair at all. And honestly, I might take the Browns to cover this game because like, is the Browns' defense good enough to stop Patrick Mahomes? Probably not, but are they good enough to make this game competitive? Maybe. <laughs> I, I think the Chiefs have really struggled at the end of the year, and it hasn't shown because they're a 14-2 team. But you look at like, – I, I talked about it last week, or it was the week before, I think. Uh, you look at their last, like, five or six games, it's all one-score games and not a lot of convincing wins. Their last convincing win was against the Jets. I mean, I'm going to take I, – I like the Browns to cover, but – I just I, – I think – I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to show up in the playoffs like he did last year. Uh, I, I, like, I like them to win this game. Uh, it's, it's the Chiefs, but I, I do think this is a lot closer than people are making it out to be. I'm taking the Browns just because I want them to win. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a fair pick too. And, and, and I think they will be – I think they'll be more competitive than we, we project. Uh, I think a 10-point spread is I'm hammering big. that. I I don't know. Like like I honestly do think the Chiefs probably are projected to win, and they, like they should win. But they, like you said, they struggled at times, and they had a lot of close games, which you pointed out I think last week, where 
they they win by you know single digits against a lot of, like six teams this teams, year. Which uh, is, winning on a missed field goal against the Falcons is, yeah. does not convince me of a lot. No, and and, and yeah, winning on a the, the could could have went to overtime. No, I think the the Panthers would have won against them. The Panthers were I think yep. like five and eleven this year. That was that um, was one of Joey Sly's like sixty yards. Yeah. Uh, and then the the so we all we all made picks right. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs, and okay. I think Josh as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna just go with the Browns because I want them to. Uh, yeah. Buccaneers Saints is the last game. Saints are three point favorites, which is a little shocking. Saints won both the regular season matchups, and the last game, as you both remember, was a thirty eight to three slaughter. So, what what are your thoughts on this game? You know, I nah, think I'm not going to cut out touchdown time. That's simple. Trevor, you can go ahead. Yeah, I just – I honestly, like the Buccaneers, like they had these moments where they just don't show up right away. But the Saints, I mean, they've, they've shown it time and time again that they just match up so well with this team. Uh, I'm going to pick I'm going to pick the Saints just because I'm going to go with the eye test what I saw this year. Uh, I do think this game is going to be more competitive. I think Tom Brady in the playoffs is a different animal. Uh, but yeah, that I'm taking the Saints still. Drew Brees is getting healthier. Uh, their offense is working really well. I know they struggled a little bit against the Bears at the start, but I mean the Bears' defense has been respectable at times this year. So I, I think the Saints are gonna do well at home against the Buccaneers. All right, and I will take the Buccaneers just because the Saints winning 21 to nine against the Bears is not that impressive. No, and like you said, like the eye test, the Saints have looked great against the Buccaneers all year but I, I really just want I want to see the Buccaneers be successful here I, I want to see them win so I'm hoping for them to to show up this time um but yeah all right well let's get into some basketball talk so uh, I like starting off with some some current power rankings I think you guys will actually like this week's a lot better than the previous two weeks um but yeah so ESPN ranked the Lakers as one still Clippers still at two Bucks moved to the three spot 76ers at the four, and then the Phoenix Suns at the five. So what are your thoughts on the top five teams right now? I like that the Nets aren't there. Like, again, I got to prove it. Uh, and, and you know what? I think you'll be really happy because the Nets last week were four, and they dropped 11. all the way to 11. So yeah. well deserved. I think, I think that's exactly where, like, we don't have a problem with them at 11 and, and until they prove that they should be higher or lower. Um, it, it depends on how much they win. Yeah, I'm cool with these five. I like these five. I think that's pretty good. I would say that these teams are playing probably the best basketball in the, in the NFL, I almost said, mm-hmm. in the NBA. Uh, I think, honestly, like the Clippers haven't really been that convincing. I think Paul George has been better and Kawhi has been great. But, I, I mean, I, they did struggle at home against the Bulls, which, you know, I, lo- I love the Bulls and I love that they're being competitive, but that's kind of a knock on them for me. I know they have seven wins, so I could see them dropping a little lower in the top five, but I still think they're a top five team. I think you could put teams like the Sixers, though, ahead of them if you wanted to. But I'm happy. I'm certainly happy with these rankings as well. I think yeah, the Nets cool, were w- way overrated, uh, um, at least at first. I think they'll get better, though. I mean, and, the other two teams of note. I mean, we talk about our Raptors and your that's Bulls. That's what I was I think, just going to get into. I think the Bulls are too low at 26. I mean, they've been hanging tough with the, the Clippers and the Lakers, and they lost both those games, but they were super tight. And then I'd say something you can even hang with them. So I think 26 is too low. And the Raptors at 20 is about right. I mean, we finally know what kind of team they are. They they do well with small ball. When they play a center, they suck. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the problem with not playing a center is everyone gets tired really quickly, and it's going to be a problem of uh, nutrition with them. But uh, we'll see. 
So, yeah, I, I do think the Bulls at 26, like, it's fair because we started at 30, we moved to 29. Now they jumped us all the way up to 26. Like, three spots is a, a bigger deal. Um, and, and it's 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 showing that we're trending in the right direction. And the Raptors dropping from 18 to 20. I think, honestly, I, I like them more at 18 right now. And it could be, like, obviously they're losing games. But I think six out of, like, their last eight losses have all been, like, like single score, like like three points, two point, one point losses, which is here's the deal. Every single one of their games, except for the Clippers, except for the Celtics game, has been winnable. Every yeah. single one of them. So and for them they only have two wins. Doing sucks. something right to be in these games, and statistically, they are not going to keep losing these one point, one, these one score games. Yeah. So I, I think they'll turn it around. They'll be a top eighteen team instead of trending continuously downward. I still think they'll make the playoffs. That's how. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they'll – I mean, we, we thought maybe four or five. See, now I think we're hoping maybe eight, seven, eight, seven or six. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say, like, a trend I've noticed this year. I don't know if it's because I'm watching a little more NBA because the Bulls are good. Like, I normally watch a lot, but I'm, I've been watching more Bulls games and uh, just more NBA in general, especially because I'm putting some money on some of these things now. <laughs> um, but it seems like a lot of teams are hovering around that 500 mark, you know, where they have, like, six, six to four wins and four to six losses is like it feels it feels very I mean aside from like the top few teams like Lakers the Clippers and the I shoot the Sixers and the Suns like it feels very competitive right now like there's I don't I feel like there's a lot of teams in the middle of the pack and teams are struggling to pull away from some of these teams a lot of teams are not not going to be runs right now like not not a lot of winning streaks not a lot of losing streaks like they're all kind of just in it and I know it's I know it's still early. I like I think it's only like ten or eleven games have been played so far by each team. But it's still it's cool to see the NBA this competitive early on. Like I I don't I mean aside from like the Wizards and like the Pistons, and I guess the Timberwolves too. I mean, it feels like a lot of these teams are really competitive, and like there's not a lot of outright terrible teams. I mean, even the Timberwolves have been in some competitive games recently, and the Wizards are entertaining with Russ at least. But just a lot of competition, and I really like how even the NBA feels right now. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like just like a trend I've noticed because like I mean, you look at like the 24th team that they have ranked, the Oklahoma State Thunder. They're five and four. Like that's not a bad record. Like. And they're ranked 24. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think that this is honestly like the first top five ranking that I'm like Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, 76ers, and Suns. Like I can see it. Um, Celtics, I would have maybe like six or seven, but they have so many players out right now. Like, yeah. I, I can't have them top five. Um, I, I think you could put them top five if they've been playing their games like they're yeah. supposed to. But yeah, I, 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 agree, I agree with that. So like I, I have no like animosity towards – this uh this ranking like this is actually i think the one that we're most agreeable with so far and uh but yeah let's go other nba news so like stories from this week so beal bradley beal trevor's a big fan dropped 60 points on the 76ers he tied gilbert arenas's franchise record which is really cool i mean just an elite level score i think he's averaging like 35 right now it's ridiculous um but yeah that was that was a huge game I already talked about LaMelo Ball triple-double, youngest NBA player to do so at 19 years old. And then so what I, I, do you I wanna, guys think about those two? Uh, I want to start with Beal just because I've been on Bradley Beal for, God, years now. Like, I think <laughs> since high school I've been a Bradley Beal guy. 
Uh, but I mean, it's kind of cool. Cause I, I remember when he first started out his career, he was like that injury prone kind of guy. He never got to play a full season. He was awesome with John Wall when he was on the court, but it, it's cool to see him come into his own like this and just be, he's, he's a, he's a star. He's a star right now. And I, it's all also kind of cool that like, he was always like, they were thinking he would be traded to OKC at some points, a, a lot of times, like the last few years. And now he's just playing with Russell Westbrook in DC uh, it does suck for the Wizards. They lost uh, their center, Thomas Bryant. He he was a pretty good player for them. So I, you know, I don't think the Wizards are going to be that competitive this year, especially with that injury. Uh, but it's cool to see Bradley Beal just putting in work. Um, but yeah, I mean, a two and eight just kind of sucks. Like he's still stuck on a very bad team. They're probably going to fire their coach. Like it just sucks, <laughs> but cool. Good for him. You know, I, mm-hmm. I still need to get a Bradley Beal jersey. I'm surprised you haven't already. I can arrange. Working. We can arrange. Yes. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll work that out. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then I already talked probably enough LaMelo early on, so we don't need to go too much into that. Yeah, uh, just great for him, though. I mean, it's yeah. cool. he's, he's a young player. And for him to kind of break that stigma like Lonzo has from his, like, just get, not being mentioned with his dad as much. Like, I like that he's being his own player. A lot of people, like, give him a lot of crap, especially, like, when he was a kid in, like, high school and he was jacking up threes from half court. Like, he's a kid. Like, just – He's, he's not playing like that in the NBA. Like, he's he's a lot better than I think a lot of people said, thought he would be. I'm, I've just been super impressed with we the We had him – all up. three of us had – or Josh had Ball as a starter. I have him as potential – Trevor, you and I both have him as potential all-star. Yeah. I have our – our what we think of the first five picks. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I'm still waiting on an MVP candidate, Wiseman. I think yeah, I don't know if that's there. ever going to happen, Trevor. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um. So, yeah, some other news in the NBA this week. Kyrie is unlikely to return this week. Videos are circulating of a maskless Kyrie at a family birthday party. Thoughts on that? Just incredibly selfish, man. I've, we talked to this a bunch of times the podcast history. Like, it's, we can, This is going to be a larger conversation, but uh, we can make this about the whole NBA as a whole. Like, I don't think something – I mean, they're doing changes right now. We got some new rules that don't make sense, but – at the great this is going, I don't know how I keep playing this season. So many games are being postponed. It's at least one a day. Today's already got postponed. Like the Suns games are already not happening. Full Celtics so, aren't happening. Yeah, it's every day now. It's just Wizards it's not happening. working. It's not working. And either you gotta rebubble or you gotta make actual consequences for going out and stuff. It's just not it's not fair to the team, it's not fair to the fans, not fair to, you know, anybody you know, that but these players don't care. And it's it's so weird they don't care. They went in the bubble. They know how it's, serious it's, this is. It's tough because you have you have players like Kat who has lost his mother and exactly. his other yeah. family members. A lot of family have, members, yeah. And you have George Hill who's saying, like, I'm a grown man. If I want to go see my family, I'm gonna go see my family. And like, yeah, you have the right, but then you're giving up your contract and you're not playing this season. Yeah, you like know? if if it's kinda like if you want to buy into Stop like yeah, did the NBA have an opt-out procedure this year? I'm not sure. I'm I know the NFL aware. did, and I know that they did for the bubble. Um, I'm not sure if they did this year or not. But MLB did if, as well. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're not going to buy into this system that the NBA puts out there for you, that you know they've, a lot of people have worked hard for, and there's still people and players in the NBA working super hard to make this happen, and you're the guy going out without your mask, bringing COVID into locker rooms, that kind of stuff, like, that's not okay. Like, there yeah, needs the, to be the, punishments. The NBA, player, the, the NBA is not putting this in to make it harder for you to live life and like so that you don't talk to your family. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they don't care what you do in your free time if that's FaceTiming your family for eight hours a night or whatever you want to do. Like, fine. Just it has to be within these guidelines. And and yeah. the reason they put these guidelines are is so that you can keep getting paid, 
so yes. that you can bring money to the NBA. Like, but like it's 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 not to to stop these players from playing a game they love. It's so that they can keep playing basketball and and so some of them just are like, oh, this is ridiculous. And yeah, it may seem a little childish or like treating you like a child, but it, it's just so that they realize that you're taking it seriously and to pre- prevent they don't want they don't want to have to do another bubble. And I don't see a bubble happening. And if it is going to happen, it's going to take at least a month to plan or to get like all fixed. So yeah, I think we're all on the same page here. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then Stephen A actually commented about Kyrie. He said he thinks Stephen A thinks that Kyrie should just retire. Um, and his quote is clearly, "You don't want to play basketball bad enough," which I think we kind of disagree with. Like, if yeah, if, I disagree. I would disagree with that. Yeah. I like if. Say what I you mean, you you don't get to where Kyrie is at by not wanting to play basketball. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie clearly loves the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you could you could. Just... I mean, he argue, It's arguably he likes the game more than he likes anything else. Like he just he's he loves basketball and like maybe not so much like the other stuff about it, but like just it's the, also all Kyrie's going into the hoop. like first violation is a family birthday party. Like that's yeah. not the same as Harden going to a strip club or. Lou, Lou Williams going to strip club and saying he just wanted to get wings. Like that's hard and going to family thing is, is a, I can excuse that more than I can excuse. Um, uh, what's it called? Like Lou Williams thing. Now should mm-hmm. Hart, should Kyrie have worn a mask at his family thing? Yes. He is an NBA player. Your family will understand. Like, even if they're not wearing a mask, if you wear a mask, it means that you can stay on the court and, and they, they should realize that. So, um, yeah. Well, I don't think Kyrie should have gone to that in the first place, regardless of the situation of the pandemic. Like, he hasn't he signed with the team. Like, that's a game night. Like, you can't – like, it's not fair that everyone on the team to, like, just – Was it a hey, Did yeah. he miss the game for a Yeah, see, that's a surprise that he got – yeah. So, oh. like, I, like, you can't do – like, it, it's your job, man. Like Celebrate with the family another day. <laughs> yeah, let the party be on an off day. He really must like. Or you know, oh let the party God. be that day. But then you go, you go celebrate. You know, take the family member out to dinner or something. Or not even take, just bring in dinner and like hang out with them and celebrate. You know, a different day if it's that important. Like, we've all been there where our birth. You know, someone can't make our birthday, but they want to do something nice for you another day. Um, all right, and then let's get to some more NBA drama. So the Rockets plan to keep James Harden away from team until they can complete a trade involving him. Big news wow. here, because um, now it, his value is what it is. And that's, just, not gonna, and that's just breaking, right? That's maybe within 10 minutes. And it, it's yeah. not going to be – so now he's not going to, like, play out of his mind, you know, averaging 30, 10, and 6, and they're going to be like, oh, we really need this talent. It is like you're going to get what you're going to get, and it's just interesting. So now John Wall, Christian Wood, like, it's, it's their team, Cousins, and, until, until Harden leaves and, like – I don't even know, like, who's who's are there options right now for him to be traded? Like, how long is this going to take? Of, uh, at one twenty-eight p.m., it's as we're saying, it's one forty-two Central Time. The Rockets are pursuing a Sixers trade package that would be headlined by Simmons and Tyrese Maxey. Uh, so, uh, Sixers are also not interested in PJ Tucker, so it seems that the Sixers is the most likely one. Yeah, I, I thought Tucker would be would be gone in this trade as well. Um, God, I don't know how Simmons, Wall, and Cousins would like. I don't know. I, I don't think – I mean, that would honestly just, be, I think, be a trade mainly for Philadelphia to give them a different option with uh, with Harden and Embiid on the court. Like, that should work better than Simmons and Embiid. But just looking at the Rockers with – the Rockers – Rockets with that trade, 
I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see Wall Simmons, and and that team working well. But honestly, like, it, it's it'd be kind of cool. Like everyone would probably be kind of cheering for the Rockets to do better than we expect because it's you know Woods first year as a starter um, is balling out, and then you get John Wall coming back from injury on a, on a team that's giving him a chance. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, all right, and then. I just need a little bit of college stuff from Trevor before before I let him go. So, Jim Harbaugh got a new contract with Michigan through 2025. I was a little shocked by this. He hasn't been successful. Yeah, I thought he was going to be fired. I thought he was going to be let go. Um, he hasn't been as successful as we thought he would be with Michigan. Like, he has had some winning – I think mostly winning seasons. But he's always projected to, like, be competitive or beat Ohio State as a Michigan coach, and that he just hasn't been able to get them over that hump. And, and a lot of those games has not looked good at all. So what do you think about his new contract? Look, I, I understand where, like, the people who come in say Jim Harbaugh hasn't done this and that. Like, uh, he hasn't recruited well enough. He hasn't won the big game. Look, I get all of that. And I just – I, I think it is getting a little frustrating for a lot of the Michigan boosters and fans at this point where – I mean, he's still not beating Ohio State, which, I mean, who is? Let's be honest. Ohio State's not a beatable program right now, other, other than, like, Alabama. Um, There's very few teams that you, you can beat them. Yeah, and I know they, they were Michigan was terrible this year, uh, but this was an outlier year. I don't know if you can fire a guy like Harbaugh after this year because he's kept your team competitive in recent years. and I, He helps recruiting. I, yeah, and he doesn't necessarily win those rivalry games, but – I, I still think you have to have faith in him because, I mean, you look at what the Michigan teams re, um, of, that he's been working with, he's never had a good quarterback. I know people say, like, oh, Shea Patterson, Shea Patterson wasn't good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. he just wasn't. <laughs> uh, like, like, let's see so what let, Jim Harbaugh can chance. do. Yep. Yeah, I think because, like, years. how much better are you going to get than Jim Harbaugh? Like, well, let's okay, be honest. The thing is, also, this is his – I think this was about his fourth year. Right, because I think he joined about 2016-ish. Um, so now he's getting to the point where the people he's been recruiting—this is his program, yeah—are are now going to be starters and the stars. Mm-hmm. So we get a chance to see the next, I say, two years. How did yeah. he recruit? Will it pay off? So I think that's going to be like this will be his real test. Is the next two to three years will be? Should we keep him or not? Um, and you know what? Like he probably won't beat Ohio State. <laughs> Like, I'm just saying that he probably will split games like Penn State and Michigan State, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, like, I think he's still going to be competitive. I still think he's going to be your best option at coach right now. I don't know who you'd go out and hire. Like, there haven't been names. And the thing obviously. Is, if, if they did fire or got rid of Jim Harbaugh, I don't think it's gonna be like a position where like no one wants him. Like, I think he would just go to a better college program. Or, I mean, maybe back to the NFL. I don't know yeah. how he thought about that. But, I mean, I think that's the biggest argument in college is, like, if you get rid of this guy who's kept who you, you competitive, in? who are you bringing in? Because gonna you're be still going to have to pay yeah. the coach that you fired, uh, you, you bought out. like, And then you're going to have to bring in another guy that you're probably going to have to pay a lot of money if you want someone mm-hmm. good. So, All that's right. what, you know, keep Harbaugh. Yep. I, I like the move. I think he's a good coach. Okay. Just, just was curious about your decision there. And then on uh... – what was it Monday night? Ooh. Yeah, Monday night, the national title game. So uh, Alabama beat Ohio State University 52-24. to 24. I, I really wanted to take the spread in this one, but I, I left for work, and I was just like, you know what? Let's just not go down money. Let's just see what happens. 
and I, I should have bet. But Mac Jones had 464 yards, five touchdowns. Devontae Smith was breaking records in two quarters, showing why he's the Heisman. Uh, but, yeah, just any thoughts on the national title game before I let you, before I let you head out? I mean, honestly, like, was the game competitive? At the start, it kind of was. But, I mean, you know, at the end, at the end of the first half, it was Alabama really felt in control, and they obviously came out and, and finished the game really well. Alabama is – I mean, this, this year's Alabama team is – is arguably better than last year's LSU team, team which we all thought was one the know, best the best yeah. college football team ever assembled. So I think, I, you know, as much as it like it, it wasn't very competitive because I, I don't think it was that competitive of a game. Uh, I you gotta like give props to Alabama and Nick Saban as a recruiter, like just to assemble the amount of talent he has. I I mean it, it's been nothing short of impressive. Um, Najee Harris is a beast. Devonta Smith is going to be an amazing receiver in the NFL. I think uh, just, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, I really hope he goes to like Cincinnati at five, like help Joe Burrow. Like that'd be so, oh, man. but, but I don't want to speculate awesome. until we get closer to the draft, but like, yes. that was my initial thought. Um, I, I would right. love, I would love that like uh, comparison, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was a good, I, I mean, Alabama won, like we all, I think a lot of people expected. They're just, they're one of the best teams in college football history. <laughs> For sure. And yeah, so I, I agree. I, th- I think that this team, which is hard to compare any team to LSU, but like you said, they could have been better than that last year LSU team, which is amazing to think about. Yeah. Um, we'll never know because they will never play each other. Right. But yeah, it's all just speculation and opinions, which is amazing about sports. But yeah, Trevor, again, thank you for always being here and providing your insight and your, your just feedback on what's, what's happening in the sports world. Have a nice yeah. day. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Bye, Trev. See you later, Trev. All right, Trev. All right, let's why, why don't you take us through some baseball? Uh, I was saying you should just blast through hockey, and we'll do baseball. All right, let's blast through hockey. So the NHL is back today. We have our our first games. Um, I believe the Blackhawks actually play today against – let me look at the NHL schedule. Uh, the Lightning – that's not a great. Uh, <laughs> that's not a great first opening game without Jonathan Taze, the Lightning, the defending champs there. So yeah, that that might not be too good for the Blackhawks. But regardless, hockey's back today. We have five games. Um, my Hurricanes play tomorrow against the Red Wings, which I think is a pretty winnable game. But yeah, hockey's back at four thirty. Um, I'm excited. I, I know Josh, you watched hockey a little bit more last year, probably because I got a job in hockey and hope to start soon. But you also had, you know, the playoffs and you were watching your Blackhawks and just having fun with it. So, yeah. Well, any, any thoughts on hockey being back? Uh, cool. Nice having all sports back. I know the Blackhawks are going to be terrible, so it's going to be hard to watch them. But I'm, I'll give it a whirl. I'll give it, I'll give I it a I'll good college it try. Just, cause of, uh, just to see how the team is, see how our, our new goalie is. I don't know who's starting now that we let him grow. Um, and then we also, I think just Patrick Kane's much watch TV. So, well, speaking of Crow, it's quite a segue. He uh, he opted out of his uh, deal with the Devils, and uh, he's retiring. Deal with the so Devils. ten years, two championships with the Blackhawks. I hope, I hope to give him a one day contract and he can retire Blackhawk. That's the absolute right thing to do. And uh, I hope it's. I done. mean, is, is it the the weird thing about that too? Is it's not even like you're giving him a one day and he played like three years after the Blackhawks with a different organization. He has never put on another sweater, you know? But he signed another contract. I know, but, like, he should be able to sign a one-day. It shouldn't. I feel like it shouldn't be too hard for him to do that. Yeah, um, just do it one day. All please. right. And then uh, 
so the Dallas Stars, their their opener got delayed. Uh, they were the Stanley Cup finalists last year, lost to the Lightning. Um, and they won't be able to start till at least January 19th at the earliest. They had six players and two staff members test positive. It's like already a really bad sign for the NHL to start um, that they had one team already pushed back a week and all their games postponed. So we'll, we'll see how they adjust after that. Um, other than that, the the Blackhawks head coach, Jimmy Colaton. I don't know how to say his last name. Do you want to? Yeah, he got an extension. And uh, yeah. as far as I could tell, he's a bad coach. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that confident that you know, it's really tough. be educated on me, it. For me, it's I like, I, I don't want to like judge him as a coach yet because I feel like it's more the GM right now. Like, we just have a very aging roster. We just got rid of Saad and Crawford. So, like, I, I, I can't really blame a head coach now for, for not winning games when if you look at the product on the ice it's not the same like I don't think he should be necessarily winning a lot of games with this team so um and then an interesting story that I want to just hear your perspective on is the Sharks Evander Kane he filed for bankruptcy so he's nearly 27 million dollars in debt and he may sit out the entire season to eliminate his income which I don't understand how him sitting out would eliminate like obviously it his income, works. but how does that help him solve his bankruptcy? I don't know how that works. I don't have a clue. I can't touch on that. I really have no idea. Um, like, I, I just, I just think just... that athletes should be a lot more careful with their money. I think they should be hiring somebody that they trust to help them with their money. And uh, it's sad. It's sad when you're seeing an athlete, you know. What I what I like about he's still playing. It's crazy. Yeah, what I like, and he's not a bad player. Like he's a good player. But what I like about colleges is a lot of times athletes, I think, anyways, even if they're not going to go pro, but I think a lot of athletes, especially the ones that do have prospects for professional in any leagues normally take like they, they have classes for dealing with reporters and talking to the media, which so that way, when you get to the media, you most of the time you're going to get athletes that give cookie cutter responses, which may be boring as hell, but it's professional. It's just, you know, it, you're really saying nothing by saying what you're yeah, saying. Like, um, yeah, you're, yeah, there's no problem there. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I don't know how many colleges or programs are also telling, helping players financially and, and get, having them with classes on how they should invest their money, maybe hiring a manager, what to look for when hiring a manager. Because to be a professional athlete that's making millions a year and to go $27 million in debt, now if that's, if that's like the one athlete in the last 10 years to do that, fine. Like, that just might be him having a gambling issue. I don't know how he lost his money either, by the way. It might just be him having a spending issue, a gambling issue, just not knowing how to handle his money, and that could be a personal problem. Um, but the fact that there's been so many athletes that have made millions in their career and just blown through it, there needs to be programs or, or classes for these college athletes. Just mm-hmm. to, to, I know for hockey it's very different because a lot of them get drafted very young. Um, but just with programs, or even if the, the teams – did like lessons for an hour once a week, you know, that that'd be a, maybe a big deal to help them learn how to invest and stuff. But yeah, just a, a crazy story. And then uh, lastly, all I have for hockey now is I, I looked up the teams that are favored to win this season. Uh, Nate McKinnon is, is favored to win the MVP award, but the avalanche along with him are, are actually favored to win this season, the Stanley cup. And then the golden Knights, the Vegas golden Knights are favored to, to be, I think the second team to win this season. So well, interesting. The Lightning and the Stars, who made it last year, are not at all favored. Obviously, our Blackhawks are not even close to favored. Um, but yeah, any any thoughts on that, or are you just ready for hockey? I'm ready. Let's do it, and let's all go. Right. Let's move on to baseball. All you, Josh. 
Okay. So we got some stuff. Stuff happened this week. Uh, what do I want to do? All right. Well, Tommy Lasota passed away, which is unfortunate. He was getting up there in age. He was having some medical issues. So it was really just a matter of time. But he is a legend in the game, and it's a shame. But we got, we got Tommy Lasota for a very long time. He lived a very long and great life. So rest in peace to that guy, a great manager, two times World Series champion with the Dodgers, had a huge impact on the game for all teams. Every player you speak to absolutely loved him. Um, so it's a shame, uh, rest in peace. And then uh, I think this is a non-story because it's like the worst non – it's the worst spoken secret in baseball. Mm-hmm. But a uh, Angels clubs attendant was supplying sticky stuff to pitchers. Everyone, I've known about this for literally years. Like it's, it's not a secret at all. It's, it's hilarious. It's news now. Cause like people, this, uh, the sticky stuff is now people realize that pitchers are cheating. Almost every pitcher does this. Almost all pitchers do this. So your favorite pitcher, my favorite pitcher, they almost uh, guaranteed do this. So yeah, the angels guy is known to make the best stuff. He's giving me the Garrett Cole for years, Verlander. Um, and I know that well, I don't know, but Bauer probably makes his own. That's the one exception. Um, but yeah, there's going to see some stuff about that. The guy was fired, even though, you know, it's been known for years. The Angels knew about it, whatever. Um, let's, let's get on to uh, some signings and some some actual transactions. Uh, National signed Kyle Schwarber. We have this because Cubs fans here. And uh, he got 10 years, which the Cubs would have gotten and had him for 10 seven. Mil. 10 mil. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> one year, 10 million. <laughs> 10 years, 1 million. <laughs> They uh, had him for one year, ten million, and the Cubs could have had him for one year, seven million. So the Cubs did not read the market right, or maybe they did read the market right. They didn't care. Either way, it's a shame. He's playing with David Martinez, his former bench coach. He's going to play with Stanley Castro again. He's got Juan Soto. It's going to be a stacked lineup. Someone's going to figure out Kyle Schwarber is going to be a monster, and it's not going to be the Cubs. It's a shame. But best of luck to Kyle. Big fan of his. Thank you for all you've done. Yeah, he's totally listening. Um, White Sox have signed Liam Hendricks to a huge deal. Three years, $54 million. He's a top flight closer, and for him to get $54 million as a reliever in this market says good things about the rest of the player. It's very good. I'm surprised by it, but he deserves that much money, and it's very yeah. good for baseball that he got that much money. So. And honestly, it's, it's this White Sox team, which is a, a contender for a World Series run in the AL, adding a closer, like they, they you know, they're starting they're the best team in the AL. They're the best team in the AL, in my opinion. Yeah. But I'm good on them for trying. Good on them for trying. But like, <laughs> like going out, getting this closer. Because I think if you look at their their team, obviously like on the field, great talent all around. But then you look at the pitching and you look at the rotation. They they've made some good additions there. And then you're like, okay, but they could really use some help in the bullpen. Boom, Liam Hendricks, one of the best bullpen additions that you could have possibly done this offseason. And the White Sox go out and do it. I, I'm so excited to watch this team next year, minus the um. Tony LaRusso stuff, we'll see how he does in that shambles. But, yeah, I, I, we're not even White Sox fans, but we're Cubs fans. We're, we're big Chicago fans, and we have no plenty of White Sox fans that are probably thrilled right now, and we're going to be watching them this season for sure. The, the White Sox are full out, caps lock, all caps, trying, and I appreciate it. I love when teams do this. And speaking of also trying, the Mets is, have uh, acquired Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco in – the same exact trade. We all knew that the the, the Cleveland team has was going to trade away uh, Lindor. We know it's going to be Carrasco too in the same deal. Holy shit, they're cheap. But uh, <laughs> good on the Mets. Good on the Mets for getting this done. It wasn't even that big of a package, man. Like incredible. They they, they got to sign Lindor. They're going to be Mookie Betts. They're going to resign him forever. He's going to be the face of the franchise. Carrasco's also still really good, and that team is going to be. They're giving the Braves a run for their money, man. I don't know if they're better than the Braves yet, but like. It's going to be pitching tight. rotation too now. Syndergaard, yep. Degrom, um, 
Stroman and Carrasco, like it's as a rotation. three or four option with uh, what's the left-handed Stephen Matz maybe? Yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a good team, and they're James, also they going James for too. Chris Springer. Bryan. I heard right. Yeah, they, they still want Springer. They still want Chris. They, well, maybe Chris Bryan. We don't really know what's yeah, going on. The there. Blue Jays are also trying to get Chris Bryan. Yeah, I saw, but, but we we again don't know what the Cubs are doing. Baseball or any sport in general is better when the teams that make it up are trying to win. And good on the Mets, good on the Padres, good on the White Sox for Dodgers trying even. to win. I mean, Dodgers great. have the money, but like they, they don't need to do anything. They're, they're still always trying doing to win, it, but they're not. Yeah, they're they're fine. That, that's oh. the exception. They're not but yeah, anything. White Sox, pa- Padres, and Mets for sure for trying right now is is unbelievable. Yeah, so that's that's it for baseball. As far as I know, I know the Blue Jays. Uh, I know the Blue Jays extended Mark Shapiro, their general manager. That's okay. I mean, they're they're trying to win, just not to the extent that you know these guys are Cal Caps trying. But you know, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> are there any other uh, transactions you got? I, I I know you usually monitor some of the stuff more than I do. Yeah, let's see. I just write down a lot of the big name stuff. Uh, well, it's the only thing. The only thing is that they're planning to start on time and play on 162. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's the plan right now, and we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that's it for baseball news. All right. Well, that's all we have then for today's episode. Um, again, as Josh always says, follow us on Twitter at Big Slump and Podcast. And then we'll, we'll hopefully see you guys next week. Josh, thanks again for being here, and I hope you have a good day. No problem. See you later. Thanks for listening.